All right. Speaking to us today is a man who needs no introduction, and so he will get none. Well, thank you. That's the best introduction ever so far. <laughs> uh, it is a joy and a privilege to be here with you guys uh, once more. It's been uh, a few uh, months, I guess, since the last time I had the chance to uh, to speak here. Uh, the busyness of life and uh, the busyness of growing and raising a family, a young family, and the busyness of being in Canada. So that, all that contributes to make it a lengthy time since the last time I had the chance to be with you guys. Great things have been happening, as I shared uh, with those of you who were there last night. Uh, great things happening with Heart for Home, and uh, please be in prayer as well, because we are, as an organization, in transitional mode right now, uh, going from uh, Heart for Home as a smaller organization that uh, got started as Heart for Home, now merging and connecting with a a bigger organization of 40 years experience called Lifeline Christian Mission. Uh, been in Haiti for 40 years and has done a lot, a lot of great work in not only Haiti and in nine different countries as a whole. And uh, so Heart for Home all of a sudden will be, once the merger is done, hopefully by the end of this year, will all of a sudden be um, Heart for Home in nine different country. <laughs> trees. I can't, I can't even phantom it. I can't think about it. It's just, it blows my mind. Uh, but it, it's just going to create this bigger platform to the work that will be able to happen and the vision will be able to carry forward, not only in uh, the one location in Port Salut, but uh, all across Haiti and also influence other part of the world. So we have got the praise and the glory and the honor. Uh, you have been in the journey with us from the beginning, and I invite you to continue to be um, on this journey with us, even on a bigger stage, on a bigger platform. And uh, who knows, maybe in the future, you and I, when you come and travel with me, and we'll be hopping from place to place. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? We'll travel to Haiti and from Haiti to Nicaragua, from Nicaragua to Bahamas, and who knows where. My goodness, you guys are going to be traveling like crazy. So um, I'm excited. I'm beyond pumped. And, and this morning, I'm here to, to share about a subject that uh, I think is uh, extremely important uh, to me and to all of us. And it is uh, the subject of interruption. Who likes being interrupted? Mm-hmm. Somebody said them. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, guys, life as a whole is full of interruptions, full of inconveniences, frustrations, and unexpected events. Packed of it. Things break. Things don't go the way we want them to go. Accidents do happen. Long-distance phone calls that sometimes I wait for for hours. You know when they finally come through? When I sit down and about ready to eat. Boom, the phone rings. Unexpected traffic jam when especially I'm late. Just when we don't need another added expense. Well, guess what? There's a new tax called carbon tax. There's a car that breaks down. And a tire that blows up. Illnesses happen. Especially when we're not ready for them. My kids interrupt my sleep all the time. For the last six years, I can't remember sleeping at all. And three years before then, my wife wouldn't let me sleep as all. So basically ten years, guys. Just about ten years. This guy hasn't slept at all. 
Um, so you can tell, life is just packed with it. And even if we were to go into the uh, more serious realm of interruption, as we hear this morning, news of uh, cancer, where doctors only give few months to live, tragic bus crash with hockey team players, and on and on it goes. Our lives can get thrown a curveball from time to time. We could go on and on. And I'm pretty sure you'd find a lot of things that has interrupted your lives and still interrupting our lives as we speak. Well, you know, I'm not sure about you, but for myself, the way I have handled these moments of interruptions, these glitches of life, I must admit, I've handled them very poorly. And I mean very poorly. You know, I react with frustration. And sometimes I even react with anger. It shouldn't happen that way. You know, like my kids, when things interrupt their flows of things, they scream, it's not fair. Well, I tend to do the same thing. And at other times when my life gets so interrupted, I'll turn to the coward mode by blaming other people for it. I will turn to the position of looking for self-pity to realize like, you see, my life, things are not going the way they were supposed to. And when I receive no self-pity from people, I scream some more. But you know, finally, when I get a hold of myself and I take a step back and look at the entire picture, and I start realizing that perhaps sometime these interruptions only catch me off guard. I don't think they caught God himself off guard. I don't think that God looked down and realized like, oh my goodness, what just happened to Rico? We didn't see this coming. How in the world did that happen? So in that light, I realized that God himself is above all and in control. Of all. There's a servant named Job whose lives got interrupted big time. His children passed away. His wife walked away and left them. His body became broken with sores. His all wealth completely gone away. His animals died and on and on. I mean, a life could not get more interrupted than that. At the end, he had the power and the urge to say, you know what? God gave, God take, may his name be blessed. Wow, what a way to react with interruption. But as I continue to look at these interruptions in my life, I realize that these interruptions have shaped my life. And they have made me and turned me into the person I am. My kids, I have to say, have brought a lot of interruption to the flow of way my life used to be before they got here. I can remember the last time I ate a nice hot meal. I watched a full movie. Or nothing. But you know, folks, my kids have made me more patient, more caring, more compassionate, 
My kids have made me to become a more loving person. They've made me to become a more attentive person. My kids have developed in me the skills of multitasking that I didn't even know I had. I remember in February 11th, 2013, my son was introduced to the world and was born. We were not expecting this kind of interruption, and boom, within minutes, we found out our child had Down syndrome. I was blown away, shocked, thinking like I had already pre-mapped and preset my life. I knew where my life was going to be, how it was going to run, and all of a sudden, within seconds, I started realizing my plans cannot keep going the way that I had planned them. My plans of being in Haiti, um, doing ministry work in, on the ground in Haiti, completely has got interrupted. I started thinking about his health, his this, his that, and on and on and on it went. But God was not surprised at all. And my son, I have to tell you, he is the most uh, uh, beautiful little kid, a healthy little guy, and he's, he has energy beyond anything that I've ever seen. He's more stubborn than anything that I've ever seen also. He is so loving, and this kid has so many gifts, the gifts of patience. He holds no grudge, and he just loves it. All he does, he just loves and loves and loves. What he has taught me in the last, like, five years, no university could ever have imparted what he's given me already. So I'm telling you guys, I mean, if any of you guys lack patience, I mean, talk to me after the service. I'll be gladly drop my son to you for a night, and he will help you out with that, no doubt. I mean, that's, it's just, it, and when you think of the bigger picture of all these interruptions, it only caught, caught me off guard, not God himself. So I think the verse for us to remember this morning is Proverbs 16, verse 9. As we talked about Proverbs this morning, let's look at this verse, this simple verse. And here's what it says, Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So we plan our course, but trust me, the way that you plan to get there, (laughs) the steps are all determined by God himself. So the objective of uh, uh, my talk uh, this morning is to ask a simple question for you to walk out of here remembering. What do you do with your interruptions? What have you been doing with them? What have they been doing to your attitude? How have they been shaping your life? Let me take you on a little historical tour of the um, founding of the Church of Philippi. The Philippi is a, a church in the New Testament founded by Paul that we today have compiled this entire history in four small little chapters in a book called the Book of Philippians. But for us to find how the book, um, the Church of Philippi got started, we ought to take a step back in the book of Acts, chapter 15 and chapter 16. It's many, many verses, verses 11 through verse 40. It gives us a, they give us a clear context of actually what took place. Here's, here's, here's uh, the big uh, um, um, overview of it. Paul was in Antioch where he was teaching to the believers uh, there about salvation through grace alone. 
you know, different school of thought says like he, um, Paul was there for about five years. And, and one day he decided, um, if we look into verse uh, 36 in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, Paul actually found his friend Barnabas and said, Barnabas, let's go back and visit some of the brothers um, uh, in, in the towns that we had planted the churches in one of his first missionary journeys. So he, he wanted to go back and encourage the people. So Paul is planning the course of what it is that he wanted to do. Let's go back and visit these people taking Barnabas. Um, long story short, it didn't work out for him to go with Barnabas. Some disagreement between these two guys caused him to say like, okay, um, Barnabas went his way, he went. But instead, Paul decided to take a guy, another believer by the name of Silas. So the journey led him through Syria and through a land called Cilicia, um, and, and he was strengthening the church there, and he came to a place called Derby, and then to Lystra. They traveled from town to town, and visiting the churches, from church to church, and they were strengthening the faith, and um, the numbers kept on growing, as the Bible says. So they, they, they were visiting. They, they, they kept going, as Paul and Silas. So in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, let, let's read this part. Here's what it says. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Remember this word, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from doing that very act that they were planning to do. So when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But again, interruption, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. So, what they do? They passed by, um, by Mysia, and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man uh, um, of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us, please. After Paul had seen this vision, got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They made their plans to go to these places, but for some reason, the border kept shutting up their faces, issues and problem whatsoever. They made their plans, but their plans got interrupted every single time. But all this interruption led them to a special person. So the text continues, says, now from Troas, we put out to sea and sail straight to Samotras. And the next day on the Neopolis, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to, um, to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a, a woman named Lydia, a dealer um, and purple cloth, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her house. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. Paul had no intention whatsoever of going to Philippi. None. The vision told him about something about Macedonia. So he just okay, let's go. And all of a sudden now, went outside the city gate, started talking, and boom. Somehow he made it to a place called Philippi, where a, a wealthy 
lady named Lydia decided just to come to my house and stay here. Sounds pretty random, doesn't it? Random. But let's see what the randomness do. What seems to be random to us. Now, I think this is important. All of a sudden, Paul, who had no intention of going there, by what we would call coincidence or random like things of chance or because his plan got interrupted, now he found himself in a completely new district. All of a sudden, somebody invited Paul to be at her house. And now by Paul being there, remember what Paul was looking for. He was looking for a place of prayer. And now all of a sudden, he is invited to build or create his own base, his headquarter of prayer. And so now since Paul now had a place to be, he could use this location from here to relax and, 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 and rest and go out to evangelize. So he had a location where he could travel back and forth and go back. Lydia was a wealthy just like us today. I would say Lydia, Lydia represents who we are. She was educated just like we are. You know, she prided herself of being a citizen of a um, Roman as they were under. I mean, uh, I love seeing Canadians traveling and carrying their little Canadian flags everywhere they go. Letting people know I am Canadian. I am not my neighbors. Love to say that. Why? <laughs> you tell me. I mean, just Lydia was, was proud of who she was, her nationality, her education, where she came from. Her city was prosperous. We're proud of Burtons, and on and on and on the pride goes. But Lydia used her interrupted moment by being hospitable, giving Paul and his friends a place to rest. But little did Lydia know that allowing these guys to enter her home, the ripple effect that would soon come to be. She would have no clue and no idea whatsoever. She never would have thought that allowing these guys to come into her house was also opening up the door of Philippi to the gospel to come and reshape and change and transform the place. She never would have thought the trouble she was going to cause by allowing these guys now to base in. Who knows? Perhaps if she didn't open her doors, these guys probably would have kept traveling around and who knows? But with this simple act of kindness, she ended up opening up her town to everlasting love, everlasting joy, um, 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 peace that passes all understanding, generosities, miracles, and, and everything the gospel has to offer. Because she had opened the door to God himself. I remember my life was big time interrupted when I was two, as I shared. My mother passed away. I was a young lad, didn't even, never had the chance to meet her. Uh, two years later, remember, I was moved to a missionary family's house. That's major, major interrupted, um, interruption to a young kid's life. And, and uh, um, the parents started a boy's home, and, and little did they know that by them opening their home to allow the flow of their comfortable lives as two North Americans from Florida being interrupted by eight little Haitian guys, Reaching out to us desperate little boys, little would they have known that they were opening the door to have a beautiful family like mine, my kids, my wife, and on and on it goes. Little would they have known that they were actually building a foundation to go back and evangelize 
in a country like Haiti, Canada, or U.S. Little would they have known such a thing. But by them allowing their lives to be interrupted just for a second, the ripple effect that takes place changes lives. So here's the thing. It didn't stop there. My parents and the orphanage I grew up, um, when I started growing up and uh, become a teenager and sour attitude, as they said I had, but I never believed it. And uh, um, so becoming a teenager and at the age of 18, I was too much to handle. And they said, maybe it's time that you go out and be a man of your own. I was just like, good for you. I was ready a long time ago. So fair enough. I left at the age of 18, still in grade 11, and now trying to make it in life. Major interruption, because now leaving the orphanage, I didn't know what to do. My life was just frustrated and busy, and, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was lost. I felt scared, and, and I didn't know um, what would be my next move. There was no hope, and fear overtook me. But, you know, all of a sudden, my high school principal and, and uh, looked at me and realized something was going on in my life. And, and went after a few talks, and she decided just like, you know, I will um, be willing to uh, interrupt my, uh, uh, my, my um, pocketbook or the, the school tuition things, and I will give you a scholarship. So this will be one less dollar that will be coming into uh, to the school's books. But we will send this money toward you to make sure that you become a student of this high school. And uh, gave me a scholarship for my grade 12. She allowed to take a chance of interrupting her pocketbook. Graduated from um, um, grade 12, still didn't really know what was going on. And all of a sudden, uh, through the connection of a a young pastor from Canada, from here, Shane Mattenley, who actually was serving in Haiti, connected with me and now came back to Calgary and talked to uh, a superintendent or the president of Alberta Bible College and said, hey, this young kid I saw in Haiti, I see in him something he could do in the future if we only give him a chance. Let's try something. I don't know. We're going to have to interrupt something to get him here. Then little by little, a family at the church of Oak Park heard the story that, hey, we need to raise some money for this young kid to come to Canada to study, to give him a scholarship. And that family who didn't even know who I was, was willing to interrupt their pocketbooks once more. Just like, you know, we're going we're gonna to spend this money. I mean, life is tough, things are short, but nonetheless, we're willing to interrupt our pockets. But little would they also have known that allowing their pockets to be interrupted, this interruption to happen in their lives, was opening a new town in a country in Haiti for the gospel to be preached. Little would they have known such a thing. See, folks, what I'm saying is just like sometimes when we embrace the interruptions that come into our lives, God finds a way of working out the details in the way that blows our expectation, the wildest expectation. However, these, these interruptions, when they come, they're enough to send us to the state of depression. Because we don't understand them. So here's the result of now Paul being in Philippi. All of a sudden, as he's walking around the city street, he saw this young little girl. As he's preaching, this young little slave girl started following the Paul and Silas. And every time that Paul just like, hey, the kingdom of God is near and he's preaching the word of Jesus. And guess what this little slave goes? Oh, whatever he's saying is true, believe him. Oh, whatever he's saying is, and bickering over like a parrot over and over and over and over. Finally, Paul just like, my goodness, this girl has been interrupting us for days now. Something ought to happen. Turn around and realize like, okay, this is not of God. 
In the spirit of the most high God, I cast and rebuke you, evil spirit of this little girl. Get out. Whoa. Paul interrupted the flow of something he didn't even know that he was doing. Because someone owned that little slave girl, and that little slave girl was making money through the evil spirit that possessed her. And now Paul just eradicated that evil spirit. Now here's the bank account of these people who own this little slave girl, gone overnight. That was a good chance for them to use that interruption for a life changer. But no, that's not what they did. They were so mad, they were so ticked off that their flow of life got interrupted. And so they call on to the authorities and, and started talking about these guys are just destroying our city. I don't know what's going on. So they took Paul and Silas, knocked them in a prison, beat them half to death, and locked them in jail. And got a jailer to just like, make sure you watch over these guys. Do not let them leave because if they're gone, you will have to be gone for them. What a tough position for a town to get interrupted because Paul and Silas is preaching the gospel. It's crazy. But while they're in the prison, it didn't stop there. Paul decided, okay, we're not going to have a sour attitude. We're going to use this crazy interruption moment. I mean, that's a bad interruption. Their skins now, they're bleeding like crazy. They're beat up in jail in the worst prison ever there was in the Roman prison, right? I mean, they're sitting there in chain locked into a wall. But guess what they chose to do? Hey, we're going to use this interrupted moment to give God glory. So they started singing. What a beautiful name it is. <laughs> they started singing and worshiping and praising in the prison cell. And as they worship and, and sing, the Bible says the whole prison got interrupted that night. A violent earthquake came and shook and destroyed the walls. The gates popped open and boom, interruption happened again. Now, of course, a lot of the prisoners got up and wanted to leave and, and tried to escape. And, and um, um, the jailer just realized, like, what just took place? I don't know what's happening. Of course, they told me if these guys are gone, my head is going to be taken its, and, and instead. So he wanted to destroy himself. But Paul shouted and said, hey, don't do this. Don't do this. We are still here. And because of such, the jailer and all his family decided to give their lives to Christ. A revival took place in that city. Change happened in that prison. The jailer that was supposed to protect the prisoner that become himself choose to be a prisoner for life. Because he follows Paul. So now, by the time that it was time for Paul to leave um, um, uh, uh, Philippi, what had happened? A church was born. Lydia who allowed her life to be interrupted by these strangers. The jailer, no doubt, he and his family became part of the member of that first church. That little slave girl, yeah, most likely, would be part of that first church. And all of a sudden, all these people who actually were interruption to his life, now were lives who were transformed, who actually became that community of faith. A solid church in the land of Philippi. It's amazing. So, I would say, like in conclusion, is what what is your interruption? Is it slow traffic or sicknesses or costly repair? Um, smaller things? Uh, is it like uh, what we call first world problems? And uh, my phone won't work when it's supposed to work? And uh, 
I mean, all these things can be small but real, real frustration, a pain to us. But you know, it is all the small frustration, the little things in our lives. Um, um, we, we were given all these little things, I think, to become the things to shape our attitude. Because it's the little things that can make us to go in a very, very sour position. There's a, an, an author by the name of Paul David Tripp. Um, and his book, um, Whiter Than Snow, A Meditation of Sin and Grace, is what he wrote. He says, you and I don't live in a series of big, dramatic moments. We don't careen from big decision to big decision. We all live in an endless series of little tiny moments. The character of a life isn't set in 10 big moments. The character of a life is set in 10,000 little tiny moments of everyday life. It's the theme of struggles and that emerge from those little moments that reveal what's really going in our hearts. It's the small things. It's the many small things. How do I learn to embrace my kids screaming in the back of the room? How do I learn to embrace the people who's bugging me day in and day out? So I wonder how many Lydia's I have in this room this morning who will accept the challenge to use their interruption this, um, 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 from this day forward to transform their neighborhood by allowing their doors to be open to perhaps somebody they didn't know, someone who doesn't know Christ, someone who doesn't look like you or me. You know, as we're busy planning our lives, planning our agendas, preparing for retirement, our next vacation, our finances, our career. I urge us to follow and allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt our lives. Don't get upset. Allow the Holy Spirit to intervene and disrupt our plans in exchange for his plan. Yes, as you plan the course of your life, allow the Holy Spirit to set every step of yours. Guys, Doors will be shut in our faces. But other doors will be open. We will get frustrated, no doubt. But remember to take the time to look at the bigger picture. That God himself is in control. Maybe a door that is shut. What we do, we spend all our time trying to reopen that door that was shut. Instead of looking the other way and realize. There is a land of Philippi that God had already pre-planned for us. He shut it for a reason. So, this morning, I, I think I will conclude by saying this. Um, Decision Christian Church in Haiti got interrupted over and over by different people in the community who felt like we do not want a church that is coming here to preach about Jesus. This is not what we want. Felt frustrated. Because of that, they tried to take Heart for Home's property away many times. They tried to create um, headaches for the staff on the ground. They call us names, and you name it. We have embraced these interruptions. And it's interesting. One of the members who came to the church, I remember, recall saying, the reason I'm here is because you guys never chose to fight back when people were just putting you guys down. 
And so I want to join your team. The world is watching. We don't even notice it. Should we pray? Father, this morning, our lives even here in this room is full of interruptions. We get hurt at times and at moments things happen that we don't like. Family gets sick. Bills we can't pay. And sometimes we, we don't even know why. We can't explain it. But all we do know, God, is that we want to have the attitude of Job to say, God, you are in control of this mess. You are in control of this situation. And we are sure you can turn every things that upside down to a way that brings you glory. Because that's what we want to do, is to give you praise and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Rico. That was a, that was a good message for me to hear and uh, for us to hear. So thank you for that. Um, just a little microcosm of that lesson of, of plans being interrupted. Uh, I think this is great. I was planning to preach today, and then I phoned Rico yesterday, and I love hearing Rico, and I know you do too, so I asked if you would, and he said yes. So that was a great interruption to what I had planned. And then the passage I was going to preach on was exactly the passage that you just preached on. And uh, the, 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 the separation between Mark and them, and, and, and that led into the interruption of Macedonia and then them to Philippi. We've been talking a lot about that, uh, Paul and Philippi, right? Hopefully you remember because it was the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and so you took that in a different direction and shed a new light on it. And that theme of interruption, of, of sacred interruption, of, of the Holy Spirit's interruption, that's all through those stories. And thank you for bringing those out for us. And Now I don't need to talk about it next week. I'll talk about something different. That's great. You, you did it for me. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I know you already prayed, Rico, but I'm going to pray again. Actually, is there somebody else who'd like to come up and also pray for Rico and for Haiti? Um, and I'll invite you, actually, Mandy, if you want to come, if you're in the back, if you want to come up too, that would be great. Marnie, would you like to come pray? All right, let's pray. Father, we are very thankful for Rico and Mandy being here uh, with their family, and we're thankful for the work that we get to partner with them in doing. And we thank you for your heart for Haiti, and uh, we thank you for the opportunity to join uh, your heart for those people and to serve them, and to encourage them, and to send some money to grow them up into strong leaders for you in your kingdom in Haiti. I thank you for Rico and Mandy's dedication to their calling. I thank you that when their lives get interrupted, that they are such servants to you that they're willing to turn it back over to you. Um, Father, thank you for this morning and for this time together. Father, we are so very grateful um, for your presence. We are so very grateful that you continue to interrupt us. Um, we thank you for our friends, and we thank you for our brother and sister um, and their family who teach us some amazing lessons about how you work in the world. So, Father, we pray that we hear those lessons, that we see those lessons. Um, thank you that you are a God who works in a number of different ways that constantly surprises us. Um, Holy Spirit, turn our hearts towards surprise. Help us to see 
what it is you're doing. Um, we pray for the big world that you are in control of. Um, in spite of what may look like difficulty or tragedy or pain, Father, we know that you are working in those things, that you enter into those things, and that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could imagine. And so, Father, help us to lean into that. Again, we are so grateful for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So basically 10 years, guys, just about 10 years, this guy hasn't slept at all.